If you'll turn in your Bibles to Luke, the fourth chapter, which is where we left off a couple weeks ago when I began speaking to you about the God of the festival. And I don't know if you remember anything about that sermon, but one of the points that I made was you need a vacation. (laughs) You need a break. And isn't it great to know that our God, who is a festive God, who celebrates in a festive way, that he has built that into your life because he understands how you are as a created being, but he also is that way himself. He is a God of the festival. And if you ever wonder where the word holiday comes from, it literally means holy day. It comes from God. We have a lot of festivals that we celebrate, secular even in, in America, And I know some of them have a religious slant. You know, you think about Christmas, you think about Thanksgiving. But remember where all the root of that comes from. You have a festive God. And today, where we left off last time, we want to talk about celebrating the Sabbath with Jesus. Celebrating the Sabbath with Jesus. Let's pick up in Luke, the fourth chapter, and we begin reading in verse 14. And Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit into Galilee, and there went out a fame of him through all the region round about. And he taught in their synagogues, being glorified of all, and he came to Nazareth, where he had been brought up. And as his custom was, he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and stood up for to read. Now let me just say this. The older I get and the more I study the Word of God the less I have time for the excuse that I hear from time to time, not for many of you, that I just don't know how to study the Word of God. I just don't know where to start. (laughs) Let me tell you, the study of the Word of God is not exclusively within the realm of the ministry. And the more I study and the more amazed I am at God's Word, you know, God's Word is different than any type of subject that's out there. You can become the greatest of anybody in the area or subject that you study. It might be history. It might be calculus. It might be math. It wouldn't be that for me, of course. It might be biology. But you can become the most learned and the highest level and pretty much know everything about it. But God's Word is different. You can study it for lifetimes and it still is like this beautiful diamond that every time you look at it, it's just amazing. Listen, we're going to look at several places. I've studied all these places time and time again. And yet I study them from this angle today, celebrating the Sabbath with Jesus. We're going to look at every occurrence that's recorded of where Jesus worshiped and did things on a Sabbath day. (laughs) And y'all remember the significance of the Sabbath. This was the weekly festival, the weekly day of rest that God set up prior to the law in the book of Genesis. You know, on the sixth day, he finished his work, his creation. And on the seventh day, he sanctified it, Genesis 2. He sanctified it, said this is a holy day. This is a sanctified day of rest. And throughout the existence of the Jewish nation, every Saturday was a holiday. Don't you like that? I love holidays. (laughs) And as a matter of fact, when it comes to like working for the state or the county, they come up with a new holiday all the time. There are so many holidays. I mean, there's a holiday every few weeks. I love holidays. Your God in heaven loves holy days, holidays. See, it's a time of rejoicing. If nothing comes out of this series of messages, if nothing else comes out of it, maybe it will give us a different perspective about how God views 
this holy day, this Sabbath, which is, you know, Sabbath was Saturday, but our Sabbath in the New Testament, our day, our holy day is Sunday. And as I told you, as you if you'll hang with me through this series of messages, we're going to speak about the feast, the God of the feast, the God of the festival. You'll be amazed at just why, in addition to the fact that Jesus was resurrected on Sunday morning, in addition to that, why we meet on Sunday. This is the holy day. This is the Sabbath of the New Testament. You see? Now, you remember there was a quote I gave you from the Edersheim book about the temple. Alfred Edersheim, great reading about Jewish history. And one of the things that he said in regard to the Hebrew word of where they referred to the feast times, it was the joyous tristings of Jehovah with his people. And you remember what a tryst was. It was originally a prearranged meeting. It was specifically in the old days a place where you went hunting, like your favorite hunting spot. <laughs> and then eventually it came to mean a private romantic rendezvous between lovers. And I gave you the example, you know, from The Sound of Music with Rolf and Liesel. <laughs> so you see, think about that in terms of the feast. This is the joyous trysting, the meeting time of God, Jehovah, to meet with His people. And I pray that He's here with us. <laughs> Do you? I pray He is. And you remember we talked about the festivals. There's the weekly Sabbath because God rested on the seventh day. He wasn't tired. He was done. And then there's these yearly festivals that were built into the Jewish calendar from the Passover to the Pentecost to the Feast of the Tabernacles, the Feast of the Tents. You understand there were all these things built in. <laughs> this is crazy, isn't it? We talked about the number seven, how the seventh day of the week, you know, the, a lot of times the, the feast lasted for seven days and so forth. There were seven feasts, seven yearly feasts. It's amazing how consistent God is. So I don't want to spend too much time on the introductory because I want to get to where we left off, which was what happens on the Sabbath day. What happens? What happens on a week-to-week -week basis? You remember the big feasts, the ones where like Pentecost and Passover, they had to appear in Jerusalem at those feasts. But on the Sabbath, you just appeared in your home and you observed Shabbat, which was the Hebrew word, or Sabbath. So we pick up there where we left off last time. Sunset on Friday afternoon because the Jewish day, which is it's weird to us, but it started at sunset. So on Friday afternoon, if you were in Jerusalem and at the temple, that is where there was a sacred assembly the showbread was renewed, the drink offering was renewed, the sacrifices were made, but at homes throughout the land of Israel, it was like what we call a, it was like a staycation, you know, where they went home, they stayed at home for a vacation, for a holiday, and they celebrated in their homes. Now, as we consider the Lord coming to this earth in flesh, and the times that He made appearances and did the things that he did on the Sabbath. We know he appeared at every Sabbath because it says his custom was to observe the Sabbath, go to the synagogue on the Sabbath. That was the Lord's custom. But specifically the ones that are recorded, now there's several, and we're going to go through several. So if you want to write these down or I'll give them to you later, that's fine. And listen, I don't want anybody to come up to me after this sermon and say, Brother Tim, that was deep. Because I'm going to try to keep it as simple as I can. We're going to look at a bunch of Scripture. But if you want to come up and say, hey, that was a deep dive... That's what I'm planning on is a deep dive into this. That's different than being deep and you don't understand it. We're just going to take a deep dive into Jesus coming to the Sabbath days. Okay, so it, remember, deep dive is okay to say after service, but not deep. Because when you say, that was deep, Brother Tim, that means I really didn't understand anything you said. <laughs> we don't want that. So the Lord and Creator of the Sabbath comes to the Sabbath. This is the first recorded 
a Sabbath that he comes to in Luke, the fourth chapter. And by the way, this is the beginning of his public ministry. So this is, he's been going to Sabbath all these 30 years. And now he's coming to Sabbath with a different approach. He's the Lord of the Sabbath coming to his Sabbath. Now listen, God ordained the Sabbath not only as a special exercise to his glory, but it even promotes the physical well-being of his people. Do you understand that? It's healthy to rest. Y'all get that? As a matter of fact, throughout history, nations that have never observed a day of rest have been some of the most corrupt and some of the most given to vice. It's good, whether it's for a religious purpose or not, it's good to have a day of rest. There's a lot of you under the sound of my voice that have, including me, that have failed to observe a day of rest. And I tell you what, it'll catch up with you. It'll debilitate your health. And it'll just wear you out. So God ordained the Sabbath for the good of man's soul and also for the good of his body. The Sabbath is a benefit. Now, I told you a couple weeks ago, the Sabbath was not intended to be like a McCool vacation where you go, 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 and you get back and you're tired than you were when you left. Matter of fact, several years ago when Sister Elizabeth was three months old, I learned a lesson about traveling with very small children. When she was three months old, we were loaded up in a motorhome, mom and dad's motorhome, and we were going to be going on a 10-day trip, going preaching down in Florida, going to have some fun here and there along the way. Listen, I even loaded my dumbbells in that motorhome. So I'm going to keep working out you know, while I'm gone, stay in shape. That was a big mistake because we left here on a Wednesday night, and when we hit the Georgia line, the oil pan fell out of that motorhome. I mean, I'm not kidding you. Me and dad crawled up under there. What's going on? It won't run. And it's just drip, drip, you know, just no pan. <laughs> a rod slipped and just blasted it out. You could ask my kids. I hope they'll be kind. But that was the worst trip that we've ever been on in our life because we had to rent another motorhome. We had to unload everything, including the dumbbells, into another motorhome, go on. And I had to meet up with them. And some of us, I had to fly. And some of them had to, and, you know, dad been diagnosed with Parkinson's. So, you know, he was not able to help like he could in days when he was feeling healthy and we had a three-month-old baby, and I slipped into general mode on that night, and it was just bark, 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 bark for the rest of the time, and I never got out. You know, we're at an amusement park. We're fixing to get on a ride. Be quiet, be quiet. Let's go. Let's have fun. You know, it was, it was awful. Listen to me. When I got home, I kissed the ground. I'm not joking. Nobody saw me do it, but I got out, and I kissed the ground. I said, praise God. I know my kids are probably thinking, praise God, too. General Daddy is out of the way now, but... That was awful. It was not a vacation. That is not the way that God intended the Sabbath to be, the Shabbat. It was to be a time of rest. It was to recuperate. It was to refresh yourself. And somebody says, well, I just don't have time. I'm too busy. I got to pay the bills. I got to make the dollar. I got to blah, 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 whatever it may be. Let me tell you, if God, who created the universe, says it's time for God to sit back and refresh himself, even though he's not tired, then it's good for you and me too, because you know what? You're not God and I'm not either. <laughs> but something had been forgotten. Something had been missed on the Sabbath. Because I want you to see by the times that Jesus comes to His Sabbath and the things that He does, the Lord of the Sabbath, and look at the reactions. Were they celebrating the Sabbath with Jesus? In Luke, the fourth chapter, Jesus reads out of the book of Isaiah, in verse 18, it was delivered to him the book of the prophet Isaiah. And he speaks and he says, This day, in verse 21, is this scripture fulfilled in your ears? They'd never heard that before. As he looked at them, he said, Today, as I stand here before you, 
Isaiah 61 is fulfilled. I'm here. And all bear him witness and wondered at the gracious words which proceeded out of his mouth. And they said, well, wait a minute. Isn't this Joseph's son? Wait a minute. They begin to question who he was. The Lord of the Sabbath on his Sabbath that he created and he's speaking his word that he wrote and he's fulfilling the scripture. And they said, wait a minute. Isn't this Joseph's son? And Jesus goes on and preaches to them. Listen very carefully now. He preaches about the sovereignty of God in election. He says, you will surely say unto me, this proverb, Physician, heal thyself. Whatsoever we've heard done in Capernaum, do also here in the country, in this country. And he said, Verily I say unto you, no prophet is accepted in his own country. But I tell you of a truth, many widows were in Israel in the days of Elijah. This is, Elijah was a prophet that was not accepted in his own country. You get that? Jesus says, you'll say to me, physician, heal thyself. And no prophet, he says, is accepted in his own country. Just like Elijah. Just like Elisha. He's fixing to give the two examples. And so the Lord sent Elijah to a widow of Zarepta, who was an enemy nation. And he says, there were many widows in Israel, but unto none of them was the prophet Elijah sent. You see, that's the sovereignty of God. God can do as he pleases, when he pleases, and who he wants to as he pleases. That's good news for old Baptists, right? Because you understand it. God chose a people before the foundation of the world. Some people say, why didn't he choose these poor folks over here that are going to burn in the lake of fire? The true meaning of the scripture just says, why did he choose me? That's the real question. Why did he choose anybody? When you look at the depravity of man and the condition of man, well, you ask yourself the question, were these folks good old Baptists? I don't think so. Because when they were faced with the sovereignty of God and the election of God, you know what it says? When Jesus laid out there on the Sabbath day, when they should have been celebrating Shabbat with Jesus, it says that he put in front of them Elijah, who was sent to the widow of Zarepta, and it put in front of them Elisha, who Naaman the Syrian, the enemy general, came to him and he was healed of his leprosy. It says they were filled with indignation. <laughs> They're the type of people that would have said, oh, well, that's just not fair. <laughs> Oh, I hope you never say that. I hope you look in the depths of mercy and the depths of grace and say, why would he ever choose me? Why in God's sovereignty would he look upon such a ruined sinner such as myself and send grace my way? Now that is the attitude of a child of God who's ready for discipleship. These folks were offended. And on the Lord's Sabbath, when the Lord has come to them to preach to them on the Sabbath that he created... They rose up and thrust him out of the city, led him to the brow of the hill, and they might cast him down headlong. Are you, are you getting this? How did they celebrate the Lord coming to the Sabbath? They wanted to throw him off the hill and kill him. How about that? <laughs> you know, it's like showing up for your birthday party. They got a birthday party planned for you. And it's like showing up and all these people are here and you go up and there's the cake and it's got somebody else's name on it. It's Brother Tim's birthday, and you go up there and it says John Doe on the cake. You're like, what? Jesus comes to his celebration. He comes to what he ordained. He set up the Sabbath. He set it for rest and refresh. He set it for celebration. He set it for holiday, for holy day. And here he comes, and they, and they just they want to kill him. Doesn't make any sense, does it? That's the depravity of man's heart. That's what happens when legalists get a hold of the church of God. They want to cast him down headlong. Oh, we've got several more to look at in terms of Jesus' appearance on Sabbath. So y'all pray for me. Here we go. Luke, the fourth chapter, the 31st verse. It says, he passing through the midst of them. By the way, they didn't cast him down. It wasn't his time to die for the sins of his people. So he just passed through the midst of them because he's God. And it says, he, verse 31, he came down to Capernaum, a city of Galilee, and taught them on the Sabbath days. And they were astonished at his doctrine, for his word was with power. And in the synagogue, 
And by the way, this is one of the few places where they actually seem to have somewhat of a decent, good reaction. They actually might be celebrating Jesus on his day. And in the synagogue, there was a man which had a spirit of an unclean devil and cried out with a loud voice. Can you imagine how embarrassing it was to go to church and this man was there with this unclean devil crying out and causing trouble? And the spirit within this man says, let us alone. What have we to do with thee, thou Jesus of Nazareth? This is the devil within that man speaking, the demon. Art thou come to destroy us? Now watch this. I know thee who thou art, the Holy One of God. You know, it's a bad place in society when the only people that recognize Jesus Christ are the demons. (laughs) Are you with me? Here's all these people at church and this one demon speaks out of this man and says, you're the Holy One of Israel, the Holy One of God. That word holy right there, it's the Greek word hagios, which means clean, pure. The demon recognized that this was the Son of God, but not the people of God. That's sad, isn't it? Now, the result of him preaching there in Capernaum was that they were amazed and they were astonished, and the demon cried out, Thou art the Holy One of God. And don't worry, this wasn't a cry of faith. (laughs) And Jesus rebuked him, and he said, Hold thy peace, come out of him. (laughs) You know, it's just, just like that. He said, Shut your mouth. And get out of that man. And when the devil had thrown him in the midst, he came out of him and hurt him not. (laughs) Jesus cast out that demon out of that man. And they were all amazed. And they spake within themselves and said, What a word is this? Verse 36. For with authority and power he commanded the unclean spirits. And they come out. And the fame of him went out into every place the country round about. Let me just say this. Even though that may be somewhat of a decent reaction, that they maybe celebrated him a little bit, I still think that they were more amazed at the show rather than at the word. Can y'all relate that to today? Most of God's people that try to worship the Lord are more amazed at the show, the lights, the fog, the entertainment, the repetitiveness. They're more amazed at stuff like that than the word. What I'm doing up here preaching to you is archaic. It's old, old school. (laughs) Well, praise God, we're still doing it. (laughs) They were more amazed, I believe, at the show of the demon being cast out than they were at the authority and the power of the Word of God. See? Here's Jesus on His Sabbath. John, the fifth chapter. I'm going to breeze through some of these. You can turn there if you want to. But in John, the fifth chapter, you have Jesus on another Sabbath day. In verse 1, it says, After this, there was a feast of the Jews, and Jesus went up to, the Lord, to, uh, up to Jerusalem. And at Jerusalem, this was the pool of Bethesda, where they would lay the people beside the pool. And in a season, the angel would come down and stir the water. And the first person to get into the water would be healed of whatever infirmity they had. And so Jesus is walking through that crowd on the Sabbath day. How do we know that? It tells you later that it was on the Sabbath day. And he sees this man. And listen, you talk about the sovereignty of God. There's all kinds of hurt and maimed and sick people laying there, crippled, blind. And so Jesus walks through and in his sovereignty, you say, It's just so unfair that he didn't select those others. That sounds like what the Pharisees said, doesn't it? (laughs) He goes to this one man and he says, Wilt thou be healed? Wilt thou be made whole? And the man said, I have no man, no one to put me in the water. That really wasn't the question that Jesus asked, was it? And then Jesus just said, Take up your bed and walk. And man gets up. It's on the Sabbath day. Jesus comes to his Sabbath. He says, take up your bed and walk. So the man picks up his bed and he begins to walk out of there. Can y'all see the smile on that guy's face? Is that guy celebrating the Sabbath with Jesus? I'm telling you he is. And he didn't even know his name. 
Jesus heals the lame man there at the pool of Bethesda in Jerusalem on the Sabbath day. The Lord of the Sabbath comes to the Sabbath. And then guess what? As he's walking along carrying his bed, he's healed. He's happy. And these Pharisees on the Sabbath come up to him and they say, what are you doing carrying your bed? They didn't say, how in the world are you walking? Weren't you that old lame guy laying there by the pool of Bethesda? They said, what are you doing carrying your bed? They said, who told you to carry your bed? And the guy's like, I was told to carry my bed by the man that told me to rise up and walk. <laughs> and eventually they find out that it's Jesus and they condemned him. Now, I want you to think about this from the perspective of Jesus, okay? He's not getting a very good reaction on his Sabbath, is he? They want to throw him off headlong down the hill. Here he is healing. He's casting out demons and he's healing. And the wicked Pharisees and legalists are saying, why are you carrying your bed? Okay, Matthew 12. This is also recorded in Mark 2 and in Luke 6. This is where Jesus and his disciples are walking through the corn on the Sabbath day. At that time, Jesus went on the Sabbath day through the corn and his disciples were unhungered. And they began to pluck the ears of corn and to eat. And by the way, if you read the law of Moses very carefully, this was perfectly legal. They're not working. They're just, they're gleaning is what they're doing. And they're hungry and they're just grab an ear of corn and shuck it and just eat as they go. It was perfectly legal for them to do this. And look, on the Sabbath, as the Lord of the Sabbath... Now, I want you to remember this one because we're going to come back to this down the road when we get to one of the other feasts. You will see another significance of what's going on here. Just to drop a little hint to get you anticipating and stay awake and wait for that time when it gets here. There's something else deeper and more meaningful going on here as they pluck the corn on the Sabbath day and they eat it. And the Pharisees saw it and they said, Behold, thy disciples do that which is not lawful to do upon the Sabbath day. They're walking with the Lord of the Sabbath and the Lord of the Sabbath is endorsing and approving of what they're doing. You see, but the Pharisees could not celebrate. They accused hungry people for eating. Did you know that the Jews were so extreme at different times in their existence, the Israelites, that they took the Sabbath to such an extreme that sometimes when they were being attacked by a foreign enemy, they would not fight back on the Sabbath day. That's crazy, isn't it? That's a legalist to the nth degree. A legalist to the nth degree. Well, the Lord said this is Sabbath, so we'll just get slaughtered. <laughs> See how merciless that is? Now, if you look at this account, and you don't have to turn there, I'm going to read it very quickly, but in the account in Mark, the second chapter, Jesus goes on and he says, have you not read? Can't you just see the look on Jesus' face? They say, why are your disciples eating corn on the Sabbath day? And Jesus looks at him and he says, have you not read? Don't you read your Bible? <laughs> Don't you read and know that David himself and his men came into the holy place and ate the showbread on a Sabbath day many, 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 many years ago? And don't you know that the priests go about and do the things that they do working on the Sabbath day because God has instructed them to. And they're not punished and they're not considered to be unlawful. And in Mark, the second chapter, Jesus goes on and says this in verse 27. He says, he said unto them, listen now, the Sabbath was made for man and not man for the Sabbath. Therefore, the Son of Man is Lord also of the Sabbath. Look, if, that may be a little bit hard to get your mind around that, but I want you to think about this. Your car is made for you. You are not made for your car. Do you get that? Your car is made for you. You haven't been created to fulfill your purpose to drive a car. 
A car is made for you for a convenience so that you can get around easier. You get that? The Sabbath was made for man as a convenience for man, as a celebration for man, as a holy day for man. Carry that over into what we're doing here today. Your Sunday service, your day of rest in the New Testament, your New Testament Sabbath of Sunday worship is created for you. You see? You can look at that in so many different things in our society. Think about all the corruption that's going on in Hollywood. I mean, you might find a good movie once. Any of the new movies or shows, you might find something occasionally good, but they're all pretty much tainted now. You realize we're living in that time. Listen, you are not made for Hollywood. Hollywood was made for you. And they've completely corrupted it. You understand? So you think, well, it's on TV, so i got to watch it. <laughs> no, you don't. You don't have to. <laughs> See, Hollywood was made for you. Too bad it's not for your benefit, but you get the point. Take it even further. The governments were set up by God. The nations even. The governments were set up by God for you. You are not made for the government. You get that? Like you're some kind of subservient subject or slave of a government. You see, that is a totalitarian mentality when it comes to government. The government was made for you. You get that? Not you made for the government. The car is made for you. Not you made for the car. You can take that on. Listen, God has created you for His glory. He's given you life for His glory. You're not made for the glory of the world or for the glory of sin. You, child of grace, are made for the glory of God. And when you latch onto that and you find that in your life, you understand what you were made for. How beautiful is that? The Sabbath was made for man as a benefit to man. And these people have perverted the Sabbath. And the Lord of the Sabbath has come and He's setting some things straight. If you continue to read there in Matthew the 12th chapter where they come through the corn, it says in verse 9, on that same Sabbath, when He was departed thence, He went into the synagogue. And behold, there was a man which had his hand withered. And they asked him, saying, this is almost like entrapment right here. It's almost like a setup. Is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath days that they might accuse him? Here's this poor fella who's standing there, you know, with a withered hand. His hand doesn't work. And I, nobody knows exactly what happened to his hand, but he, he can only use one hand, right or left. I don't know which one it was, but he's got a withered hand. And so, you know, this poor guy, this poor sap, you know, he's just there. He's come to worship and they look at him and they say, is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath? That they might accuse him. And then Jesus said, oh goodness, listen to this. You can see that Jesus is boiling up to a fever pitch. <laughs> what man shall there be among you that shall have one sheep? And if it shall fall into the pit on the Sabbath day, will he not lay hold on it and lift it out? How much then is a man better than a sheep? Wherefore it is lawful to do well on the Sabbath days. Now, whether you realize it or not, that has a tremendous application to us today. Because these people valued animals over people. Is that a little too close to the heart? We're living in a society that values animals over people. Animals have more rights than a baby in the womb. You see, there's nothing wrong with having a dog, a cat. We've got lots of them. <laughs> There's nothing wrong with having cows and sheep and all this different stuff. But these people said, you know, I'll go get my sheep out of the ditch if it falls in the ditch, but don't you dare heal this poor fellow that's got a withered hand. In the book of Mark, where it gives this account, Mark the third chapter, it says that Jesus looked upon them in anger. When they didn't answer him, he said, 
is it lawful to do well on the Sabbath? And the people just sat there. Hmm, I'm not answering that. And Jesus got angry. He got angry at them. And then he says, stretch forth thine hand. I don't know that he said it like that, but that's how I would have said it. He's angry at him and he looks at him. You know, why is nobody answering this? It's an easy question. Is it lawful to do good on the Sabbath? Of course it's lawful to do good. And here's the Lord of the Sabbath on the Sabbath. And they're in trying to entrap him. And he looks at this man. He says, stretch forth your hand. Now ask yourself the question. Was that really work? <laughs> if you want to be technical with the Pharisees and with the legalists. I mean, was it really work for Jesus to say, stretch forth thine hand? If that's work, then speaking is work. And you, you, can't zip, you can't say anything on the Sabbath day. You get it? Just keep your mouth shut. You can't say anything, you can't do anything. Listen, some of these people were so extreme about the Sabbath. There were different groups that had views on the Sabbath of the, of the Jews. And a, a few of them were so extreme that they believed that an inanimate object could not do work on the Sabbath day. So what in the world is that? If you, if you took something out of your garden on a Friday and you laid it up to dry, you couldn't do that on Sabbath day. Because that inanimate object is working because it's drying itself out. Is that not ridiculous? Let me tell you, God, spare us from such mindsets. God, deliver us from such legalist legalism. You see? They had polluted. Something was missing from the Sabbath. And the Lord has come to the Sabbath. And He says to this man, stretch forth thine hand. And here he goes, oh, look at this guy. You see the smile on that guy's face? Is he celebrating the Lord? He just got his hand healed. He just got his withered hand put back like it should be. How did they celebrate? They went crazy. I can't believe he did that. They went crazy. They wanted to plot to kill him for just saying, stretch forth thine hand. It's not going too good for celebrating Jesus on the Sabbath, is it? They went crazy over one little hand being healed. Mark the sixth chapter. The next place. And hey, we're almost there. I, I didn't know if we would get through these, but we're almost through. Mark, the sixth chapter, we have Jesus coming to the Sabbath again. Another Sabbath. And he says that he taught them. This is in Nazareth. Probably the same synagogue that he went to in Luke 4 where they wanted to cast him out on the hill headlong. And in Mark, the sixth chapter, you read about him coming to the Sabbath. And they questioned who he was. It basically says he just taught them there. When the Sabbath day was come, verse 2, he began to teach in the synagogue. They were astonished. And they said, From whence hath this man these things? What wisdom is this which is given unto us, that even such mighty works are wrought by his hand? Is not this the carpenter, the son of Mary, the brother of James and Joseph and of Judah and of Simon, and not his sisters here? And they were offended at him. You know, I told you Jesus is just getting angrier and more worked up. Because every time he comes to a Sabbath, it's always something. And here I can just see Jesus is just disgusted. He says, A prophet is not without honor, but in his own country, and among his own kin, and in his own house. And he could there do no mighty work, save that he laid his hands upon a few sick folk and healed them. And he marveled because of their unbelief. Do y'all realize what they missed in Nazareth because they didn't believe and trust in him that he was who he said he was? It's just Joseph's son. He was not Joseph's son. He was God's son. Man, uh, God man in the flesh and Lord of the Sabbath. And I could just see him going, what's wrong with these people? Every time I do something good on the Sabbath. So you know what? I'm just not going to do anything. <laughs> the Lord's consistent in His character, isn't He? They wouldn't celebrate Him, so He didn't give them anything to celebrate about. Are y'all with me? John the ninth chapter. 
We have Jesus on another Sabbath day. This is after, I believe, I think these are sequential, by the way. I think these are the way they occurred, if you'll do a little study on it. And so in John the ninth chapter, I guess maybe Jesus got over a little bit of his disgust, but notice that he goes to an individual like he did the man who was on his stretcher that hadn't walked by the pool of Bethesda. Well, here he comes to a man, and he's blind from birth in John the ninth chapter. And I'm just going to kind of give you the highlights here. And so Jesus goes to this man on the Sabbath, and he says to him, he spits on the ground and he makes some clay, you know, gets some mud in his hand and he goes to the guy and he puts it on his eyes. Don't ask me why he did that. You'll have to ask him when you get to heaven. But this is what he did. And he's sovereign. He can do it however he wants to. And so he said, now go wash in the pool of Siloam. And so the man goes and he washes. And when he washes off the mud that had Jesus' spit in it, he can see he's been blind since birth. <laughs> so guess what happens to this guy? a stir begins to go through the town. And they begin to say, well, isn't this the guy that was blind? And they again and again question him and question him. They even brought his parents to question him. They said, is this your son that was born blind? And listen, if you ever needed some encouragement about following the Lord and, and the church and, and you know, dealing with whatever comes with that, listen, these parents of this guy who was, who was made to see, they won't even stand up for him. They won't even stand by his side. It may be, and it will be at times in your life, whenever you walk a lonely path serving the Lord. Amen. And everybody may say, well, uh, they said, sometimes they said to me, you know, I, we don't know what Brother Tim's doing. You know, he's becoming an old Baptist. We, we don't know where he's headed with this. I tell you, sometimes it's a lonely path to walk whenever you're serving the Lord. And this man, you can find no lonelier path. Even his parents won't stand up for him. They say, hey, go ask him. And it tells you why, because they were afraid of being kicked out of the synagogue. So they go ask him again. They say, now tell us plainly now. We've already asked you, you know, but tell us again. How were you made to see? And so he goes through it again. And then they say, they're all confused. You see that, by the way, Jesus had a way of muddling the minds of the legalists. They were always confused. It just doesn't make sense. But I tell you what, grace and mercy clears up your mind. There's no question about that. But they were all muddled and confused. How can this be? You know? And so as the man sitting there talking to them and telling them, he says, wow, this is a marvelous thing. In John the ninth chapter, verse 27, he says, I've told you already and you did not hear. Wherefore would you hear it again? Will you be also his disciples? And they reviled him. This is on the Sabbath. This is on the Lord's Sabbath. They reviled him and said, Thou art his disciple, but we are Moses' disciples. We know that God spake unto Moses. As for this fellow, we know not from whence he is. And the blind man who can now see says, Herein is a marvelous thing that ye know not from whence he is, and yet he hath opened my eyes. Now we know that God heareth not sinners, but if any man be a worshiper of God and doeth his will, him he heareth. Since the world began, was it not heard that any man opened the eyes of one that was born blind? If this man were not of God, he could do nothing. <laughs> and they answered and said unto him, Thou wast altogether born in sins, and dost thou teach us? And they cast him out. <laughs> And the image there of casting out is just like throwing somebody out of the door. Can y'all picture that guy? I wonder if he had a smile on his face or a look of astonishment thinking, what did I do? All I did was wash some mud off of my eyes and they're throwing me out of the synagogue. <laughs> this is how they celebrate Jesus? This is how they're going to pay homage to the one, the Lord of the Sabbath? You see? <laughs> it's consistent, isn't it? And it's bad. <laughs> so they cast out the man who was made to see. But I tell you what, I believe that blind man was celebrating Jesus. And also it says that after a while, Jesus went and found him. Jesus heard that they had cast him out. Verse 35, you hang on to this now. And when he had found him, he said unto him, Dost thou believe on the Son of God? And he answered and said, Who is he, Lord? 
that I might believe on him. I don't even know his name. And Jesus said, Thou hast both seen him, and it is he that talked with me. And here on this Sabbath day, one of the rare instances where you actually find somebody celebrating the Lord of the Sabbath on the Sabbath day. It says, He answered him, Lord, that I might believe on him. Thou hast seen him, and it is he that talketh with thee. And he said, Lord, I believe. And he worshiped him. And that word worship is a beautiful word. The imagery of the Greek word of worship is literally a dog licking the hand of his master. <laughs> so this little dog right here, this little child of grace who'd been made to see, who is celebrating the Son of God, he's just licking the hand of his master. Can you see him there down on his knees at the feet of Jesus and holding on to his hand, just putting his hand to his head maybe and just saying, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. And while those Pharisees are sitting over there in their ivory towers up in their synagogues and saying, we just don't understand what's going on. They're not celebrating the God of the Sabbath, you see. But this poor blind man here who had been blind, he is celebrating, let me tell you. And can you also imagine if this is the first time that anybody has ever been made to see who was born blind and they're sitting over there as curmudgeons and just sitting there thinking, huh, well, this just isn't right. <laughs> How crazy is that? I'll tell you, that's what sin will do to you. It'll drive you crazy. It'll make you think things you shouldn't think. It'll take you places that you don't need to go and it'll keep you too long wherever those places are, you see? These people can't celebrate Jesus because they're too hung up on their traditions and on themselves. But the poor old blind man is down there. Two more and we'll be done. I love this one. I love them all. But in Luke, the 13th chapter, we have the account of this woman who was bound by Satan, Jesus said, for 18 years. Now listen, I'm, I'm not saying, make sure you understand what I'm fixing to say. Y'all remember Mr. Oliver Junkin? I'm not saying he was bound by Satan. <laughs> I'm not saying that at all. But y'all remember Mr. Oliver, especially in his later years, you know, he, had, he was bowed over and he, you know, he walked like this, you know, and buddy... That didn't slow him down if you knew him. Garden planted every year. Hay got up every year till his 90s. But he was bowed over. You know, he had, through years, you know, he had just bowed over. And he had the back, you know, his spine kind of stuck out. You could see it. This woman right here was bowed over in half. Well, she couldn't stand up straight. Having dealt with some back issues, and some of you too dealing with back issues, I understand how this feels sometimes. For 18 years, this poor saint of God had been bowed over. She can't stand up straight. She just, I, I, right now, I can't even demonstrate for you because if I did, I wouldn't be able to get back up. <laughs> so this poor saint of God has been bound for 18 years and bowed over. She can't stand up straight. And so here we have Jesus on the Sabbath day, once again, in Luke, the 13th chapter. And we look at verse 10, Luke 13, and verse 10, it says, He was teaching in one of the synagogues on the Sabbath, and there was a woman which had a spirit of infirmity 18 years and was bowed or bowed together, and she could in no wise lift herself up. And when Jesus saw her, he called her to him and said unto her, Woman, thou art loose from thine infirmity. Now, can y'all see the look on this woman's face? Here she is all bowed over, you know, and she's looking at the ground the whole time. And Jesus said, You're loose. And she, whoop, she pops up. That vertebra straightens back up. And she's standing there. Can you see the look on her face? Is she celebrating Jesus? I'm telling you, she's celebrating Jesus Christ on the Sabbath. Sabbath. She, for 18 years, she suffered with this infirmity. And now she's standing back up straight again. Look at me. Look at me. I can stand. I can look up. I'm not just looking down. <laughs> he laid his hands on her and immediately she was made straight and glorified God. And the ruler of the synagogue answered with indignation because Jesus had healed on the Sabbath day and said unto the people, there are six days in which men ought to work and them therefore come and be healed and not on the Sabbath day. 
And Jesus had just about had enough. <laughs> He's had enough. He looks at that guy and he says, thou hypocrite, right there in front of the crowd. Now, you don't have the authority to do that, okay? And neither do I. But the Son of God, the Lord of the Sabbath, has the authority to do that. He says, thou hypocrite, doth not each one of you on the Sabbath loose his, loose his ox or his ass from the stall and lead him away to watering? They cared more about animals than they did about people. And ought not this woman, being a daughter of Abraham, whom Satan hath bound low these 18 years, be loose from this bond on the Sabbath day? <laughs> and all of his adversaries were ashamed. But praise God, it says, the people rejoiced for all the glorious things that were done by him. Praise God, somebody's celebrating Jesus on the Sabbath day. Child of grace, are you celebrating Jesus on the New Testament Sabbath? I hope you are. You can't be a legalist and do that. One more in Luke, the 14th chapter. It came to pass when he went into the house of one of the chief Pharisees to eat bread on the Sabbath day. This is the ninth place that is recorded that Jesus, something that happened when the Lord of the Sabbath did something or came to the Sabbath day. And they watched him. Are y'all with me? They haven't learned anything. You get that? He goes to the house of this chief Pharisee to eat bread. It's a setup. It's entrapment. <laughs> There's a thing in the law, you know, where if officers entrap someone, it's not really them being guilty of a crime. There's all kinds of ways that that can happen. It doesn't happen very often, but it can happen. And so they're entrapping Jesus. How do we know that? Because they have invited this poor fellow who most likely has a heart condition. It says there was a certain man before him which had the dropsy. There's a lot of different things that that could be. I checked with our resident physician, Dr. Elder Neil Honey tells me that that is a heart condition. And that's what I believe. So this man had a heart condition. He had a weak heart. And he was also probably swollen with fluid. Dropsy gives an indication of some kind of water being collected in the body. Fluid collecting in the body. So I want y'all to think about this poor guy. Somebody has gone to this guy and acted like they really wanted him at this feast. They said, so won't you come to the feast tonight? Oh yeah, okay, you know, I'm not feeling too good, but I'll try to make it. And my heart's weak, but I'll try to make it. And the whole time they're thinking, uh-huh, uh-huh, we're going to set up Jesus. This poor guy. So he comes to the feast, he's weak, and he's got fluid, you know, he's swollen all over his body, and he's got this weak heart, you know. And this is set up. And Jesus answered and spake to the lawyers and the Pharisees, and he says, is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath day? And they held their peace. They just looked around. And Jesus healed him and let him go. And he said to them, Which of you shall have an ass or an ox fallen into a pit and will not straightway pull him out on the Sabbath day? <laughs> you see that recurring? They thought more about animals than they did about people. Can you imagine? <laughs> Can you imagine what these people were thinking? They were thinking like hypocrites, like legalists. They're not rejoicing when this woman stands straight up. They're not rejoicing when this poor old withered hand is made whole. They're not rejoicing when this man with a heart condition that would be dead in probably a short measure of time. They're not rejoicing that they're healed because the Lord of the Sabbath has come to the Sabbath. Oh, child of grace. Are you celebrating the Sabbath? God has designed the New Testament Sabbath as a day of rest and refreshing for His people. You see, the New Testament Sabbath is our Sunday morning worship. The New Testament Sabbath, it, because Christ is our rest. Do you get that? Hebrews, the fourth chapter, tells us that. There therefore remaineth a rest to the people of God. And that's why it says in the book of Hebrews that God spoke of the seventh day, that the Lord rested and He refreshed Himself on the seventh day because He was finished with His work. And child of grace, let me tell you, the Lord of the Sabbath, who has gone to the cross and paid for the sins of His people so that you can celebrate the New Testament Sabbath, which is the worship of the Lord Jesus Christ, for the mighty works that He has finished for you. Amen. 
You see that? He's healed you of your withered hand. Maybe you had a withered hand that used to reach for corrupt things. Maybe there's a withered hand that used to reach out and take alcohol and put it to the lips and, and abuse liquor. Maybe there's a withered hand that used to reach and click a button that they shouldn't click. And they felt the conviction of God because the Lord of the Sabbath has come to your heart and said, this is right and this is wrong. Follow the Lord of the Sabbath. Celebrate the Lord. You see, John said in 1 John, the fifth chapter, that his commandments are not grievous. His commandments are not a hard thing to follow. It's not a hard thing to follow the Lord. We just make it hard in our mind because we don't want to quit what we were doing when the withered hands of sin reach out and grab the things and touch the things that they should not touch. I tell you, child of grace, that because Christ has paid for the sins of your, of your body on the cross, that you can have that withered hand restored, that you can have that bowed back stood straight once again because the Lord has made that path straight. The Lord of the Sabbath gives us something to celebrate. And I'll tell you, if I'm not deceived right here and now, I feel as though I'm celebrating the Lord for raising me up from nothing. You see? Are you celebrating the Lord of the Sabbath? Something wasn't right. <laughs> Something wasn't right. But He made it right. He just pushed on. And child of grace, there may be times in your life when it may just not feel quite right. When you come to the New Testament Sabbath, you come to worship, somebody's withered hand may distract you. Somebody's bowed back may distract you. Somebody's unkindness may distract you. Somebody's insensitivity may distract you. But oh, child of grace, don't forget what the, what the Lord of the Sabbath did on the Sabbath that He came to where they rejected Him. He continued to do the will of His Father. Don't let the withered hands and the bowed backs and the insensitivity and the frustration and the distractedness of the world and the care. Don't let it distract you from the purpose of what God has ordained for you to have from week to week in the weekly celebration in the New Testament. This is the holiday of the Lord. It's the holy day of the Lord. May we rejoice and be glad in it. If there's one or more here that would like to follow the Lord in that New Testament holy day, honor Him. Don't do like the Pharisees did and curmudgeon and grumble and say, well, I wonder what all that meant. Don't do that. Come to the feet of Jesus. Come to the feet of Jesus like the rejected blind man did. And just lick the hand of the Master. Say, Lord, I have nowhere else to go. Thou art the Lord of the Sabbath. We give that opportunity as we stand and sing.